illegal participation on the defense. 15-yard penalty from the previous spot remains first down. This had better be a big play after all of that. Second down at eight, four and a half to go in the half, six nothing Beavers. Jonathan from the right hash from the zone 25, goes back to throw, and throws the out, and it's caught, and it's going to be a big play! Chad Johnson down the left sideline, nobody will catch Chad, and it's a touchdown 75 yards for the Beavers! This is the moment, and right here we'll tell perhaps all about that. Third and one and a half from the right hash. Simon's in the handoff, can't cut to the left, first down and more, 30, 25, 20, Simon on his way, 10, into the end zone, touchdown Beavers, and the streak is going to end here tonight. The snap on target to Nick. he gets a much better punt away here, Sammy Strotter back to his 30 yard line, starts up the middle, gets to the 40, he's got a seam, 45 midfield, 45, 40, he's got a chance to go, 20, 15, 10, 5, Welcome to Illegal Participation, the official podcast of the Heinrich Tailgater. Recording this while firmly ensconced at the Heinrich Tailgater headquarters, I'm your host, head chef planner and chief bottle washer, Bill Heine Heinrich. Joining me, as always, from the Heinrich Tailgater Northern Command Outpost, the lead driver and director of thermodynamic liquid immersion, my co-host and brother, the Beach. Beach, how the hell you doing? You know, doing good, Billy. Doing good. We might have to change uh, that from. We might have to change that from Heinrich Tailgater Northern Command Outpost to just Twin Pines Vineyards. Or how about the Heinrich Tailgater? That, that's what I'm thinking. You know, firmly. From from the Heinrich Tailgater Northern Command Outpost at Twin Pines Vineyards. There we go. There we go. Get get a little play on there. You know, because I'm trying to build up a brand here. You know, and it's pretty pretty difficult. Really. So. Well, I don't know. I, I'm getting my little Facebook thing working out. That's why I posted those pictures on it earlier this week. Yeah. So to get some updated pictures. Um, I get, you know, because you get this on, we get this on our, our Heiner Tailgater, but I get like, I don't know, anywhere from 15 to 20 views on my website per week. Yeah. And I don't know who's looking at my stuff. Yeah. And then I still have my campaign website still from, yeah. you know, four years ago. It's still and getting views. I don't know. It still gets views. And so I keep thinking, damn, should I run again? Should I run again? You know, somebody I, even I, asked I, that the other day. I don't, you know, and I and I ponder it because, you know, mom and dad, we went to uh, McDonald's after church this morning, and uh, I made a comment about thinking about running again, and dad just kind of, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to work with all those pieces of shit back in Washington, right? Uh-huh. And and I'm kind of with him on that, but I also told him, I said, you know, dad, if good people don't step up and do something, we're going to continually have the garbage that represents us there. That's true. And, you know, I, you know, and I can sit there and I can do my little job and make a decent living and, and, and life can just go on. But if you see this consistent erosion of our liberties and our rights and our freedoms for an overbearing, you know, overspending government run by a bunch of freaking morons that couldn't get a job in the free market to save their soul. 
you know, and, and they're continually, it's like watching that movie Idiocracy, right? I mean, we truly are hiring the biggest moron. Well, I shouldn't say hire. We're electing the biggest morons because nobody of any quality runs because they have the same view that dad has, which is why would you want to leave the private sector to work with a bunch of morons in Washington, Mm DC? You know, it's a toxic work culture. It's terrible. And politics is nasty and it's dirty and and uh, it's only getting worse. Well, so anyway, but that was that was my thoughts. So I don't know. Maybe we can get feedback from our listeners. This should be run again for for, for Congress. You know, considering that Suzanne Bonamici will fleece about one point five million dollars from donors so that she can fund and give it to her family and friends and say that she's spending it on her campaign, which. Literally, she could take a dump out on Main Street in Hillsborough and she'd still get elected because it's so gerrymandered. Yeah. Because she doesn't do shit. She doesn't think for herself. All she does is follow the goddamn morons in the Democratic Party who are all self-interested, fattening up their own pockets at the expense of the American taxpayer. Yeah. That's pretty much the basic synopsis of it. And so she just sits there. She she speaks the she speaks the language. She she knows how to manipulate the words and uh, and uh, she doesn't cause any. Uh, doesn't cause any waves and she just sits there and keeps getting fat paychecks yep. doing nothing worthless piece of shit <laughs> and you know what if i do run they can use all my you know I, I got so much crap that i've said on this podcast i'm sure you know between my my uh my inappropriate commentary that i use all the time but you know what i don't care yep. at least i'm human yep. you know <clears throat> so anyway there we go billy this how am i doing feeds is doing great <laughs> the purpose of illegal participation is for us to spread our inside experiences and passion for the Oregon State beers with others and just generally talk beaver sports football tailgate and have some fun along the way. I want to remind everyone you can listen to us on your iPhone or Android device on the Stitcher Radio app. You can also listen to us and subscribe to us, uh, listen and subscribe to us on iTunes or Google Play Podcasts or any of your favorite podcatchers. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, there's a couple different ways. HeinrichTailgator at gmail.com, at HeinrichTailgator on Twitter, also HeinrichTailgator on Facebook. All righty, Beej, ready to get into some Beaver sports news? Yes, I'm totally anxious about this. All right, Beej, first up is women's volleyball. Loving women's volleyball, Billy. What do we got? Please tell me we won. We need some wins. The Oregon State volleyball team took the first or you set. Can have a, what? There's going to be a butt. There's always a butt. But ultimately fell to USC 3-1 to Friday night at Gill Coliseum. Now, Amy Underdown led the Beavs offense with a dozen kills, and OSU was effective in the middle with Corey Cheshire and Lindsey Shell, each registering eight. Then Beach, the Beavs took on UCLA on Sunday. Can't be a butt. And fell to the Bruins 3-2. to no, no butt, but an and. But it wasn't a good and. It was more of a butt. <laughs> And the Beavers will travel to the desert this week to take on Arizona at 7 on Friday, the 25th, and ASU at noon on Sunday, the 27th. Damn. We still need to get our butts down there and watch a game. We talk about it every year. Have you ever seen a volleyball game there? Uh, not, in, not in a number of years. And we, we need a, I, I've never seen a volleyball game, you know, and you know how I, it's my favorite sport. Mm-hmm. We really need to pop that cherry of mine. All right, Beach, up next is women's soccer. Uh, women running around in short shorts. Redshirt yeah. sophomore Mackenzie Weinert scored her eighth goal of the season, but Oregon State fell to number 25 Washington at Lorenz Field on Friday night, 2-1. to one. The Beavs are now 9-3-2, 1-3-2 in the Pac-12, and they're on the road next week traveling to Arizona State on the 24th at 5 in Tempe before facing Arizona in Tucson at 1 on the 27th. So they got a 
Arizona doubleheader going on. Yep. No. And yeah. just a little so bit of men's it's soccer. It's a shame they did they did well non-conference, but now the in conference it's a it's a different game. A little different game. Yep. Uh, now for men's soccer beads, they've had the week off, uh, and they will return to Pac-12 play on the 24th at San Diego State. All right. All right, a little bit of women's basketball news, Beach. Ruick and the girls, how are they doing? Well, Beach, the the Beavs will have their first uh, game of the season at an exhibition game against Union on Saturday the 27th at 2 p.m. at Gill Coliseum. Fantastic. I'm a big exhibitionist, Billy. Yeah, I know. So they'll be playing Union. Where is Union? I knew you were going to do that to me. Uh-huh. The Union, so you should be prepared. The Union University Bulldogs are the athletic teams that represent Union University located in Jackson, Tennessee, and it's an NCAA Division II intercollegiate school. Hmm. So there you go. See, I knew you were going to ask. And I had to I had to look for like 15 minutes to find out who Union was because on the B's website it just said Union, and there's hmm. several different like Union College, Union this, and I'm like, God, what the hell are they? Finally found out it was Union University in Jackson, Tennessee. Yeah. So, All right, Beads, we have a little bit of men's basketball news. Okay. Tinkle? Tra- Trace Tinkle was one of 20 student-athletes named to the watch list for the 2020 Julius Irving Small Forward of the Year Award, the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame announced last Wednesday. Now, named after the Class of 1993 Hall of Famer and 16-year pro basketball player Julius Irving, the annual honor is in its sixth year, and it recognizes the top small forwards in Division I men college basketball. A national committee of top college basketball personnel determined the watch list of 20 candidates. Wow, so he's in the top 20? Yeah. Wow, that's pretty impressive. Yep. And Beach, uh, the men will have their first uh, game, an exhibition game, against Carroll College on October 23rd at Gill Coliseum at 7. And Carroll College is? Oh, Beach, Carroll College is actually uh, in Montana. Hey, Billy. Yeah, Beach. Yes. Uh, hold on. Hold on. Billy. Yes, Beach. This just in. Hold on. Damn it. This just in. The U of O announced today it will now be offering a new public major, Mastery of the No Call. The Ducks Athletic Department, which has long been teaching its student-athletes how to achieve a no call, will now be offering a credited class to help all students improve their no call talents. There is no better example of the no call than Michael Wright's efforts Saturday afternoon, said Duck coach Mario Cristobal. He was able to use his body to knock Puka Nukau out of position with his hands, potentially be- practically behind his back, not drawing the attention of refs on the field, thus allowing the Ducks to win the game. Cristobal said that this new class offering will, uh, will not be only for defensive backs. There will be serious instruction for offensive linemen on avoiding a holding penalty, and all players on the falling uncontrollably causing a leg whip skill and uh, the duck favorite of how to throw a punch when no one is looking. Classes begin in January. This has been your update from Eugene. And there you go. All right, did you see that uh, no call from the duck game on, for, on Saturday, Billy? Well, Beads, with that, maybe we should just go under for the review for week number eight in the Pac-12. 
After further review, the runner did cross the line. Touchdown! Let's do this. Okay. So, um, I've got Kyle's picks. He did not uh, remember he. We didn't have a couple of them. Yeah. But yeah. but I, I've got them all written down now. Because you you didn't even know who in the hell was playing last week. Um. So uh, leading into the week. Kyle was at 29 out of 55. You were at 33 out of 55, and I was at 35 out of 55. All right, Beach. Uh, so first up, we had a game on Thursday, October 17th, UCLA at Stanford. And we all said, bitch tits sucks. We will take the Cardinal. Well, Beach, UCLA quarterback Dorian Thompson-Robinson using a bye week to help his recovery from a leg injury that caused him to miss the game, passed for two touchdowns and ran for another in helping UCLA end an 11-year drought against Stanford with a 34-16 victory over the Cardinal. Now, Thompson-Robinson passed for 192 yards and rushed for 66 as UCLA snapped that 11-game losing streak dating to 2008. Now, Joshua Kelly also rushed for 176 yards, including a 54-yard touchdown run and a 53-yard gain. Kyle Phillips caught 10 passes for 100 yards and a pair of touchdowns. Now, Jack West became Stanford's third different starting quarterback of the season, the first time that's happened for the Cardinals since 1974. But after early success, his inconsistent play led to a stalled offense. The Bruins scored touchdowns on their first two possessions, both passes to Phillips to open a 14-3 lead with 4.48 remaining to play in the half. It was UCLA's first lead of more than seven points this season. Now, the UCLA defense sacked West seven times, five in the first quarter. The Bruins had nine total sacks over the first six games. And Stanford had allowed only 13 in its first six games. Wow. Yeah, so Stanford's uh, offensive line is also beat up. Did uh, did uh, that uh, UCLA fan take down his uh, Craigslist ad uh, offering I, to sell Chip Kelly? I didn't. I did not look. I did not look. Did we talk about that last week? <clears throat> I don't think we did. I think you and I chatted about it, but I don't think we brought it up on the podcast. Yeah, but somebody, some uh, UCLA fan, put Chip Kelly up on Craigslist. What did it say? Can you look it up real quick? Oh, jeez. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We need to have uh, like Jeopardy music while we wait. So <sighs> it was quite funny. I remember sharing it with you. I think I texted it to you, didn't I? Oh, let's see. And then you were like, I've already seen it. Because oh, you're always going to take that way. Okay. It says selling a used Chip Kelly not working. The asking price for the Bruins football team head coach is $9 million over best offer. <clears throat> it said, we are selling a used Chip Kelly in broken condition. This antique might still have some value as a fun Christmas present for your ailing, desperate, and gullible football program. The post, the post mark, uh, mocks Kelly for his snarky quotes and says after two years, quote, we haven't gotten the most important parts of it to work. <laughs> so, there you go. Oh, I thought it was funny. All right, Beach, so none of us. Got the uh, win there. Although you say I actually looked pretty good in that game. I wonder what, uh, what, uh, you, you know, I, I was, who was I talking to the other day? Talking about uh, a coach losing. Oh, we, you know, we talked about Mike Leach and, and sometimes his actions cause him to, to lose his team, mm-hmm. you know, as far as, and that's, I don't think that's one thing Chip Kelly has ever done. I've never seen him lose his team. Yeah. 
So he, I, I don't, cause I don't ever do, I don't, and I, I might have a short memory here, but I don't think he's ever gone out and uh, called out players no. or said that his players are the fault of the loss. <clears throat> no, not no, he doesn't. And, 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 and I think the guy's an asshole. I think he's a jerk, but that's one fault that he doesn't have to his yeah. character. I agree. Yeah. Anyway, so I think they're still playing for him. So I think that helps. All right, Beach. Up next was Oregon. All the rest of the games were on Saturday the 19th. Next up was Oregon at Washington. And we all picked the Huskies on this, and they should have won. Oregon quarterback Justin Herbert capped Oregon's rally from a 14-point second-half deficit with a five-yard TD pass to Jalen Red with 5'10 left. And number 12, Oregon, rallied to beat number 25, Washington, 35-31 on Saturday. Now down 28-14 after Puka Nakua caught a 33-yard TD pass from um, Jacob Eason on the opening drive of the second half, Oregon's touted defense finally showed up and gave Herbert a chance to rally to Ducks. The Ducks pulled within 31-28 on the final play of the third quarter when a well-designed screen pass on fourth down found Micah Pittman in the fr- found Micah Pittman and the freshman raced untouched 36 yards for the score. The Ducks' defense forced consecutive three and outs and Oregon marched its way to the go-ahead score. Between Travis Dye and Cyrus Habibi Likio, the Ducks went 70 yards in three and a half minutes and Herbert found red in the flat for the final five yards in the lead. It was the last of Herbert's four TD tosses. Now, Herbert finished 24 of 38 for 280 yards. He threw TDs of 12 yards to Spencer Webb and 16 yards to Red in the first half. Now, Washington reached the 38 with two and a half minutes left, but Eason was sacked on second and six and lost 12 yards. It was the first sack of the game by either team. The Huskies faced third and 23 after a false start, but got 20 yards back on a pass to Marcus Spiker. On fourth and three, Easton's pass for Nakua was high, and the Ducks celebrated a second straight win over their rivals. Washington argued that there should have been pass interference on the throw. And there absolutely should. Did you watch that, Billy? Oh, yes, I was watching that game. He totally body-checked the guy. And you know what got me the most is he had his arms, like, down and almost practically behind his back. Yeah. Like, he was trying not to get the – not to draw the attention of the refs. Yeah. For pass interference. Correct. And it's like, have you ever seen a player playing defense like that and not have his hands at least up in the air? Yeah, because it was right there as the ball was coming through. It, yeah, his intent was, his whole intent was hit him with his body. Yeah. Hit him with his body, but don't draw the foul. And you'll, and you'll, and, and you'll get a no call. And that's exactly what he got. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, they showed it over in every, even the, 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 uh, the guys on TV said that was obvious. And uh, even the Duck fans were all saying, I'll take a no call. I'll take a no call. Of course you will, you cheating sons of the bitches. <laughs> yeah. Although I would have to say that uh, that that screen pass they threw earlier to score was a beautiful screen pass. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where they, they brought the guy in motion but had him stop halfway, kick back out, catch the screen, and run it in. That, that was a great, well-designed play. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it just it, I I it it just irks me because like I said, it's one thing when you uh, commit a foul and you get away with it. Mm-hmm. It's another thing to me when you commit a foul and you did it intentionally to get away with it. Yep. That, you know you know what I'm saying? Oh no, I completely like, agree. Yeah, I mean, there's a time where you commit pass interference and by chance you didn't get called, but it was you know you weren't trying to hide the fact that you did it. It mm-hmm. just you, you didn't get nailed on it. And this guy, his whole goal was to cheat. His whole goal was, I'm not going to be able – I don't want to get a pass interference call, 
So I'm going to keep my hands down and hopefully the ref won't see me that I'm just going to freaking body check the guy about two seconds before the ball gets there, yep. which is exactly what he did. Mm-hmm. So. All righty, Beach. Well, uh, yeah. that uh, means none of us got the win there. All right, up next. And we really needed Washington to win that game. Well, if Washington had won that game, that would be put the well could potentially put the Bees in control of their own destiny. Rose Bowl destiny. Depending yeah. on if they won this week or not. Yeah, yeah. But so. we're not there yet. All right, up next Arizona State at Utah. And all three of us picked Utah. Correct. Utah running back Zach Moss broke Utah's career rushing record and scored two touchdowns in the number 13 Utes 21-3 victory over number 17 Arizona State on a rainy Saturday night. Now, the Utes ended Arizona State's modern area record streak of 125 games with more than 10 points. Wow. The last time the Sun Devils were held under double digits was a 28-0 loss to Southern Cal in 2008. That's impressive. I think that's crazy. Now, Moss was held in check most of the game as Arizona State keyed on the senior back. But Moss broke through the line and outraced the defender for a 32-yard touchdown run that broke the rushing mark with 524 left. Now, Moss ran for 99 yards on 25 carries to push his career total to 3,264. Eddie Johnson set the previous record, running for 3,219 yards from 1984 to 1988. Which, actually, that's not that great. I mean, I guess that's okay, but... What's the Beavers record? Simon has the Beavers record, and it's over 5,000. Okay, that's how it's it's here. It's a little over 5,000. So Simonton still holds that record. Yeah. You got to remember, he played for all four years and didn't miss a lot of games for injury. And and we had bowl games those years, too. Yeah. And you got to look at it and who else, you know. Um, uh, Steven Jackson, only he had mop-up duty his freshman year because he had Simonton in front of him. And then he only ran two more. Mm-hmm. Evanson Bernard really didn't run much his freshman year but then only had three years after that. He's got quite a few yards. And uh, Jaquiz really only had three years. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But anyways. Okay. Um, now, for Arizona State, Eno Benjamin ran for 104 yards, but Arizona State managed only 136 yards of total offense. Freshman Jaden Daniels was four of eight for 25 yards and an interception. He was sacked three times and was running from pressure almost every time he dropped back. Now, Utah was one of just three teams in the country without an interception, but Arizona State's Chase Lucas picked off Tyler Huntley's pass and returned it to the Utah 28 in the third quarter. In the end, Arizona State couldn't capitalize on Utah's four turnovers. Now, Huntley, who passed for 171 yards before leaving in the third quarter, was hobbled after he took a hit in the second quarter as he tried to scramble out of a sack. The play was reminiscent of the last year against Arizona State when he evaded initial tackle and sustained a broken collarbone on the ensuing hit that left him out for the rest of the season. Mm. So, yeah. Utah, and it was, you know, watching in the in the stands like we did last week, um, you know, I knew Utah was good, but watching it on TV yesterday, mm-hmm. they uh, – and and the Oregon State players kept saying it. They're so physical. They're so physical. And, yeah. and you watch that game, and truly, they are incredibly physical. Yeah. Um. And and Arizona State couldn't keep up either. No. So. No, they they trucked Arizona State. I mean, they only yeah. had 136 yards for the game. 
Yeah. So. So. Anyways, we all got the win there. All right, Beach. Up next, Colorado at Washington State. And uh, you and I both. Well, what did Kyle? Well, you and I both picked Wazoo. What did Kyle pick? Kyle took Colorado. Oh, Kyle, you fool! Washington State quarterback Anthony Gordon passed for 369 yards and four TDs, and Washington State rolled over Colorado 41 to 10 on Saturday, snapping the Cougs' three-game losing streak. Now, Gordon threw a four-yard TD pass to Max Borgie and a 22-yarder to Desmond Patman in the first quarter as the Cougs jumped to a 14-0 lead, scored a touchdown on their first three drives, and cruised to a needed victory. Gordon was 35-51 of 51 passing and connected with eight different receivers. Now, the Wazoo defense was excellent after weeks of getting shredded. Colorado was limited to 320 total yards, and quarterback Steven Montez was intercepted twice. Now, Borgie was also outstanding on the ground for Wazoo, rushing for 105 yards, including a 47-yard touchdown run late in the first quarter that gave the Cougs a 21-3 lead. Now, for Colorado, Montez was 16-30 of passing for 129 yards. Alex Fontenet had 11 carries for 105 yards, but the Buffaloes' only touchdown came on LaVisca Chenault Jr.'s six-yard TD run in the third quarter that pulled Colorado within 24-10. But Gordon responded with a 44-yard TD pass to Brandon or Coronado, and hit Tay Martin for one-yard TD early in the fourth quarter. Hmm. So just trucked him after that. Well, and is that Wazoo's first win in the pack? Yes, it is. Wow, amazing! Because they were pretty dominant. They were pretty decent last year, weren't they? Yeah, they were. Yeah, they went to a bowl game. Remember, they were they were playing for the North up until they lost to uh, Washington in the Apple. I was going to say it wasn't. Yeah, I was going to say, wasn't the Apple Cup the decider on who was uh, going to win? Correct. Correct. All right, so you and I got the win there. Next up, we got two games left. First, Arizona at USC. And you and I both picked USC. And, um, again, we don't know about Kyle because you didn't know who Mel was playing last week. Kyle took Arizona. So, mm, was that a good call or a bad call? USC quarterback Keaton Slovis threw a touchdown pass to Michael Pittman Jr. and Tyler Vaughns and Southern Cal remained unbeaten at the Coliseum this season with a 41-14 victory over Arizona on Saturday night. Now, freshman Keenan Christen rushed for 88 of his 103 yards in the fourth quarter and made two blazing runs to score his first career touchdowns for the Trojans. Now, USC beat Arizona for the seventh straight time and kept its share of the Pac-12 South lead with a dominant defensive performance against Khalil Tate and the Wildcats, holding them to 167 yards and no points in the first three quarters. Now, Tate passed for 47 yards and was sacked six times before touted freshman Grant Gunnell replaced him in the third quarter for the Wildcats, who have lost two straight after a four-game winning streak. USC led 34 to nothing before Brian Castile took a short pass from Gunnell, 56 yards for Arizona's first points with 12-12 to play. Gunnell passed for 196 yards and hit Castile for two TDs long after the game was decided. Now for USC, Slovis passed for 232 yards without a turnover as USC easily won despite another rash of significant injuries for a team that has already used three quarterbacks this season. Mm. So you and I got the win there. Wish we were playing USC this year. Me too. Well, and I, again, I wish uh, the Ducks were playing Utah. Yeah. Those are some changes I would like to see in this, this year's game. No doubt. scheduling. 
All right, Beach. So you and I got the win there. And the last game of the week, Beach, Oregon State at Cal. It was a nail biter, Billy. But uh, we all picked uh, OSU. How? 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 Uh, what's the synopsis of the game? Well, Beach, Oregon State running back B.J. Baylor scored a 13-yard touchdown run with 4:41 remaining for the game-winning score. After Oregon State blew a 14-point lead as the Beavs defeated the Bears 21 to 17. Oregon State quarterback Jake Luton threw a pair of touchdown passes. Artavis Pierce ran for 80 yards to help the Beavs win for the second time in three games. Now, Hamilcar Rashid Jr. had three sacks and four tackles for loss, tied for the third most in school history. Now, also for the Beavs, Beach, Riley Sharp had three sacks as the Beavs had nine sacks in the game. Oregon State's offense was shut down in the second half until driving 80 yards for the game-winning score. The Beavs converted three third downs on its way to the end zone, the third coming when Baylor bowled his way through the defense and stretched across the goal line to score. Now, Baylor was initially ruled down on the play and short of the end zone until a side official came in and signaled touchdown. The play was reviewed and confirmed. Now, Jaden Grant sealed the win with an interception off third-string quarterback Spencer Brash on Cal's ensuing possession after Devin Modster was taken out for unknown reasons. And Beach, Oregon State has won consecutive road games for the first time since 2013. Jeez, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that that touchdown where uh, where he stretched out to get to uh, cross to, to break the plane. Oh, it's perfect. I'm like, oh, I'm like, I'm like, no butt, no knee, no elbow. He's in. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, that yeah. was a great, great uh, recognition by him, not realizing, you know, that he's not down and and getting it in there. And it was funny because it was kind of delayed. And then the one side judge came running in, called it a touchdown. They reviewed it, and it wasn't just upheld; it was confirmed. Meaning, I noticed like, that too. Yes, that the, was the does, right call. Now, does the side judge have the ultimate call on that? Uh, well, to, can, well, any, can any rough call the touchdown and override the other? How does that work? Well, I mean, if, the guy, the guy standing on the goal line called it. Mm-hmm. So, and I don't know if that's but the, the other, side judge or but, what. But, but the other, but the other ref called him down previous though, didn't he? Yeah. But if one so, says, but if one says, I saw a touchdown, then that's the one that's going to go. Okay. Okay. So, but anyways, so be where, where, what, what do you want to talk about this game? As far, oh, as far as the Beaver game goes, where, where do you want to start? You know, I just wish we didn't have to stress so much about a damn football game. I'd like, like to, to have a good win where we just don't have to freaking, you know, stress. Uh, the UCLA game was like that. Yeah. I, well, that's true. That's true. But this yeah. one, this one's stressful. Yeah. So, well, uh, First of all, I am so impressed with the improvements this defense has made over last year. Well, I would say even since the beginning of the season, I yeah. think they now, improved. If you look at it, they've given up a lot of points in all their games, save for the Cal Poly game. But if mm-hmm. you look at it, the amount of pressure they're getting on teams and tackles for loss. So right now, Beach, the Beavs already have 60 tackles for loss this year. That's pretty impressive. Do you know how many they had last year? Six? 53. All of, All last, of last year. year. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Do you know how many um, – I mean, they've already got more sacks than they had all last year. Hell, um, Hamilcar Rashid Jr. has more sacks. He's got nine sacks. He's almost leading the nation in sacks. Wow. Yeah. I mean, 
They're just they're, the defense is really really playing well. What they need to make sure to do though, and it happened yesterday, is keep contain on that damn quarterback. Mm-hmm. That's that was, what Dad said too when we we're watching. Yep, because they were there's a couple times where yeah they got in there but they didn't. They let them leak out and 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 that, that's where they picked up a couple big chunks of yardage yesterday was on quarterback well, and, scrambles after they should have had him for a sack. Well, and who who is our guy back there who just doesn't have the the, the speed? Um, who's who's our lineman there? He's a big boy. Oh yeah, that one. Um, um, uh, Alo Aiden. Yeah. Yeah, they said he, he's he's lost like twenty pounds this year, but he's still a big boy. He ain't gonna move that fast. Yeah, no, and, and he just he couldn't get there. I was also really impressed with um, Riley Sharp. Did you see that guy yesterday? Um, oh, he was he was just blowing through the middle of that line. Well, he had three sacks, so he's playing basically because of some injuries to those outside linebacker spots. Mm-hmm. But so I was I, I did a little looking up about him. So the dude's like 22, and a redshirt freshman. Did so, we pick him up? Where'd we pick him up from? No, so he actually signed under, um, oh, jerkwad coach. Anderson? Yeah, under Anderson. But he went on a mission. Okay. And so he was coming back and he and he and he got in touch with the with the coaching staff because the coaching change had happened and he goes, you know, I know you might not be interested. And then they said, No, 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 we're interested. We want you to come. So he came he came and, and he looked amazing. Oh, he's been on fire. He he reminded me a lot of some other defensive players that we've had in the past that were a little undersized, but got around so fast that they were able to use that quickness to defeat bigger guys. And I'm just loving how these, these linebackers are playing. They're playing like their coach, Trent Bray. When Bray played for the Beavs back in the 2000s, they're taking on his persona fast and angry and laying some leather to people. So anyways, I just, I like that. Um, I liked how the offense played. I, I'm, you know, and, and I liked how the offensive line was blocking. Mm-hmm. Now the Beavs need to quit the damn penalties because that's what killed them in the third quarter was more damn penalties. Mm-hmm. And you're also playing a really damn good defense in Cal. Oh, as, as their their defense is pretty solid. No, oh, their defense is really really good. They haven't given up more than 24 points. In 25 games. Mm. So if it's been two years since anyone scored more than 24 points on them. That's pretty, Go, going back that's pretty damn impressive in this day and age with the rate that offenses score. Yeah. Well, going back to the uh, Oregon and Husky game, uh, what they say, Oregon is on their offensively have, has allowed two touchdowns up to this game. Yeah. And Washington scored four times against them. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. But if you look so, at it, Oregon's – you know, they've, it's still impressive, right? It's still impressive. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, but anyways, no, I like the beaver game. I like the way they played. I like the way they came back and took it at the end. And anyways, yeah, I just, it's a great game. Great game to watch. Like I said, a little too stressful for me at the end. I, I would have liked a little bit more solid of a win, but yeah. a W is a W. Yep. All right, Beach. So after it's all said and done, we all got the win there. So after, no change. Uh, the total is uh, well, there is because Kyle fell a little bit farther behind. Kyle's at thirty-one out of forty-one. You're at thirty-seven out of forty-one, and I'm at thirty-nine out of forty-one. So there you go. 
All right, Beach, time to look for the Pac-12 in the polls. At one point, there were six Pac-12 teams on the polls, Beach, but there is not any more. I was going to say, I don't think no. that's happening anymore. So in the AP poll, Oregon is at 11, Utah at 12, Arizona State at 24, and Washington and USC are in the others receiving votes category. And in the USA Today poll, Oregon's at 11, Utah at 12, Arizona State 24, and Washington is in the others receiving votes category. Does, does Oregon have uh, dreams of grandeur to make it to the national championship, or at this point are they pretty much out unless no. major changes happen? Uh, they need some things to happen, but you got to remember some of these other teams haven't played each other yet. Gotcha. So there's still, there's still, what, five weeks of football left? Mm-hmm. How many of the games? What are the beeves? Their beeves are three and four, seven. So five. That's actually six weeks of football left. Seven, so, so, seven if you count uh, league championship games. So I was well. Here's a stupid question, but I, and forgive me because I, I should know better, but I don't. Uh, after you have the Pac-12 championship, does that help define who the top team is? Yes, that'll they, so, that'll that'll they, be who goes to the Rose Bowl. So. Well, and not only that, but would, could that define the national championship, though, as well? It will It will help define that, yeah. Or who's okay. in the playoff for the national championship, yes. Okay, okay. Because I was going to say, because really, at this point, Oregon can't – I mean, Oregon's not going to take on any, any teams ranked higher than themselves. No. And uh, if they do play Utah in the championship, that's, that's the only way you're going to define, you know, which one's better than the other. Yeah, but let's see, who do you got in front of everybody? So you've got Alabama, LSU, they're going to have to play each other. Okay. Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma, PSU. So PSU and and Ohio State are going to have to play each other. Florida, Florida is going to get in the mix with LSU and Alabama. Notre Dame, Auburn, Georgia. See, Georgia is going to have to get in there. So, And Auburn is going to get in there. So, see, there, don't worry. There's, there's plenty of stuff to happen yet. Gotcha. Plenty of stuff to happen. So. All right, Beach. Okay. Well, now it's time for the Tommy Tuberville. What's he think I look like? A jackass? You sure do. <laughs> jackass of the Week Award. Every week, we like to discuss a person in college football who exemplifies the truly worst in sportsmanship, leadership, or just being a fan. And, Beach, this week, let's go into some referees. Ooh. All right. Not not the referees from the uh, the Husky game. No, 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 no. But did you happen to see... That the, wasn't being a jackass. That was just being stupid. Yeah. Did you see the Georgia Southern-Coastal Carolina game? I did not. Well, Beach, do you like dancing? No, I don't dance, Billy. That's I, not I didn't thing. say, do you like to dance, but do you like some good dancing? Do you like um, to see dancing? Yeah, I can appreciate some swing dancing and stuff once in a while. Well, Beach, apparently the referees in the Georgia Southern Coastal Carolina game on Saturday do not. Because between the third and fourth quarters, the referees issued unsportsmanlike conduct penalties to the entire benches of both teams for dancing and jumping around to the song Mo Bamba. So Georgia Southern plays a hype song over the loudspeakers before the start of the fourth quarter in every game. And on Saturday, Uh Mo Bamba came on the loudspeakers as it has before. Now, the Georgia Southern players threw four fingers up, signifying that the game was heading to the fourth quarter, and started dancing and jumping around to the music in what the team calls bringing the juice. Now, they kind of came out onto the field a little bit, but understand it's between quarters. 
Now, according to Georgia Southern Sports Information Director Brian Johnston, the Coastal Carolina players took exception to the dancing and starting to jumping around and dancing on their sideline, coming onto the field also. So they're both moving towards the middle of the field, kind of like in big lines, jumping around. Now, it wasn't mm-hmm. so much a dance-off as it was a way for the players to puff their chests out and try to intimidate the other side. But dancing was involved. So now, although the players stayed nearly 20 yards apart during everything, there was no fighting, no punches, no physical contact of any type. The referees threw penalties on both teams. Now, because three players had already been given unsportsmanlike conduct penalties in the game, they were ejected. Georgia Southern's Jay Bowdry and Coastal Carolina's Tequil Holmes were two of the three. Now, if that weren't odd enough, the game went to triple overtime before Georgia Southern won 30-27. But, Beach, this just pisses me off, right? You you had to do that, and you basically cost three guys games because mm-hmm. you nothing happened, right? The teams didn't get close to each other. Mm-hmm. The, 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 they're 20 it, yards it, apart. It, it, it's, it's the... It's the moving the chains between the third and the fourth quarters. Nothing major. Yeah, and but Just, the referees went out there. And I can see you want to stand there and go, hey, guys, calm down, back it up. But to throw flags yeah, is just yeah. stupid. And you cost but, three guys – you guys cost three guys time on the field. Well, what if the other guy – what if those guys actually weren't in the middle of the ruckus? What if they were still hanging out on the bench? Yeah, getting a sip of water they, or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean – no, to me, it, it just – it, Everybody gets one indiscriminately, even if you're not out there doing it. Well, and you've got 12 games a year. And you got you yeah. just cost us part of one of those guys 12 games for something stupid. What did – going back real quick, uh, Jonathan Smith got one called on him. Well, I don't think it was called on Smith. I think he was taking the uh, the uh, the blame for it because he said, well, we were getting so many – flags on both sides of the ball i figured i'd take one too but from what it's been reported that uh defensive backs coach blue adams was actually the one kind of chirping at the referee when he got the flag okay so but i had a problem with that just before that flag, the the play before that play where they got the flag which ended up basically it it, that flag cost him a yard because they got Mm -hmm. the they got the they got the um the pass interference that took the ball down to the two and then mm-hmm. the other one cost him a, a yard. But what got me though, was the play before that the beeves got a sack and they hit monster and he ended up going down. But if you watch, he went down about six yards behind where they ended up marking it. Cause he went down. Now his knee didn't touch, but if you look his forearm touched and then he kind of got up and dove forward and picked up another four or five yards. So he should have lost more. And I think wow. that's what they were chirping about, that they didn't replay it. Because mm-hmm. I'm sitting there watching, going, they need to replay that. They need to replay that. They need to replay that. And they never did. And I think that's what Blue Adams was chirping about when he got that personal or unsportsmanlike conduct on the bench. So. But anyways, to the rest they said the defense, they, they said the defensive coach. And so I didn't know. Dad thought it was the, the defensive line or the defensive coach. And I thought, no, Dad, I think it's the – the head coach on defense at the moment. No, it was Blue Adams, although Jonathan Smith took the uh, is taking the arrows on him. But anyways, so to the referees in the Georgia Southern Coastal Carolina game, you get this week's 
Jackass of the Week Award. All right. There we you know, go. There's, there's so many worse things that, that players could do, and this is what they pitch at. It was just stupid, right? Mm-hmm. All right. All right, Beach. So uh, it is time for this week's musical interlude. And I had told Kyle that he could do last week's musical interlude because he was heading to the Phil Collins concert with his wife, but he didn't give me the stuff in time. So he is doing it this week. So I have an email here from Kyle. I'm going to read. Okay. Mr. Phil Collins. 1985 was a momentous year for Mr. Phil Collins. His third solo studio album, No Jacket Required, was released in February 1985. At the time, he was already on the charts with Easy Lover, a duet with Philip Bailey of Earth, Wind, and Fire. While touring for the album, he recorded the duet Separate Lives with Marilyn Martin for the movie White Nights, a song that was itself a hit and nominated for an Academy Award. Now, charting singles off the album, um, are, or charting singles off his album, No Jacket Required, are well-known hits such as One More Night, Don't Lose My Number, Take Me Home, and Susudio. Now, Mr. Collins won the 1986 Grammy for Album of the Year, Best Pop Vocal Performance, Male, and Producer of the Year with Hugh Padman for this album. Now, the drum sound of the 80s was developed by Mr. Phil Collins and studio engineer Hugh Padman. Think, uh, think of Mr. Collins in the air tonight, John Mellicamp's Jack and Diane, or Bruce Stingstein's Born in the USA. That drum sound is from recording technique known as gated reverb. This gated reverb technique was further developed by other artists and producers, but it started with Mr. Collins. I'm getting a little uh, thing here that Kyle's a big Phil Collins fan. So, I, I'm, getting, I'm, I'm I'm picking up that too. I'm, I'm picking up what he's laying down. So Kyle, so. Con- Kyle continues, My song choice this week is Sue Studio. Mr. Phil Collins' song, Susudio, was released in January 1985, reaching number one on July 6th of that year. What the heck does Susudio mean? Mr. Collins claims it was just an improvised lyric he sang while playing around with a drum machine. He meant to replace it, but didn't find a palatable phrase. According to Mr. Collins, the lyrics are about a schoolboy crush on a girl at school. Last weekend, the wife and I attended Mr. Phil Collins' concert in Denver. The man has had back surgery and foot problems. This has affected his ability to play drums and sing. But he was there, and he was supporting his band, many of whom have been with him since his first solo album and put on a great show. Mr. Phil Collins is a hit maker with a long library of great songs, but he has not been knighted. I mean, he is no Sir Elton John. So with that, here is Susudio by Mr. Phil Collins.
That is a good song. I do enjoy Did, it. Didn't he make a cameo in the movie Hook? Yeah. Isn't he? Yeah. I think he's like an inspector, isn't he? Something like a police police officer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a police officer early like... when the kids get stolen. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was going to say that. And you know the other song that I have, and I don't, I can't think of the year. What was the one that he? Freaking solar flares. Yeah. Um, so he was in in Hook, and then what was the one video that they did? And I, I swore it was right around 1985. Uh, it's one of my favorite ones that he did. That was that uh, was with Genesis. What it was with Genesis, where where all the puppets are the puppets and stuff. Yeah, that was um, the rock Land of uh, Confusion. Land of Confusion. Yeah. And what year did that one come out? Do you remember? It came out in 1986. Genesis. Oh, okay. Okay. So it's close. Mm-hmm. Phil, I didn't realize how much Phil Collins did during that. Yeah, and wasn't it that after uh, who was the Genesis's former lead singer? He did Sledgehammer, didn't he? Yeah. But anyway, he uh, the wasn't the story goes that Peter Gabriel. Uh, Peter when Peter Gabriel left, they were trying to get a new uh, lead singer, and so uh, Phil Collins was a drummer, but he could carry a tune, so he started singing the the lyrics of the songs, and they're like, "Why don't you just sing?" Yeah, pretty much. So, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I'm good. Good. Good call by by Kyle on that one. Yeah. Yeah. So. Didn't yeah. know I was gonna learn so much about the drumming and the and the Phil Collins technique. There you go. All right, Beach. <laughs> it is now time to go to week number nine in the Pac-12. Week number nine already. Number nine. Number right. nine. Right. Number nine. Okay. <laughs> did you at least appreciate my Yoko Ono right there? Yep. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. <laughs> Number nine. All right. So, Beej, I'm going to get Kyle's email up here. I wonder how many of our listeners get, like, half of our humor. Oh, probably not many. It's not very humorous. <laughs> All right, Beej. First game, we have a game on Friday, October 25th. USC at Colorado. Oh, I don't – I don't think uh, no matter – well, you know – what did they say? The sun shines on a dog's ass once in a while, but not on Friday. USC is going to win. Okay. I, too, am taking USC. Kyle says, this is a weekend for Halloween parties. Who makes a better Halloween costume? USC or Colorado? Spartan costumes are easily recognized. The girl in the sexy bison costume looks odd. USC. Well, so I guess he's taking USC, Beach, even though mm-hmm. USC are the Trojans. And Trojans or Spartans are different. Yeah. Well, and uh, I mean, here's here's the thing I would look at. I mean, he's comparing a girl in a sexy bison versus. I mean, is 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 his logic's a little wrong? His outcome's right, but I mean, also I I have two words to say: song girl. There you go, song girls. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. All right. Are you gonna address it? Okay, you're good. USC song girls, yeah. All right, Beach. Up next, all the rest of the games are on Saturday, October 26th. Okay. Obviously, the Beavs have a bye week this week. So up first, Arizona at Stanford. Normally, I would say Stanford, but I don't know. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, I don't think Arizona's got it. I'm sticking with Stanford. Just taking Stanford. Kyle says, 
If you show up just wearing the color Cardinal, it is only a step up from the reject Christmas construction paper decoration monstrosity that is the Stanford tree. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. Did you get that? Repeat it one more time. If you only show if you show up just wearing the color Cardinal, it is only a step up from the reject Christmas construction paper decoration monstrosity <laughs> that is the Stanford tree. A wild cat makes a true. better costume, so he's taking Arizona. Really? I'm going to take Arizona. Okay. I don't know. That's just a – I don't know. Both those teams are not very good. They're not consistent. That's for damn sure. No. No. All right. Up next, Arizona State at, UC, or at UCLA. And I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to take Sparky and the Sun Devils on that one, Billy. Okay. Kyle says, you could dress to look like Chip Kelly. That's pretty scary. But a devil costume is always a winner. Arizona State. I, too, am going to take Arizona State. I, I really don't know in that game either. Okay, up next, mm-hmm. Beach, Cal at Utah. I'm going to take Utah. I, I, I honestly don't think they're going to lose the rest of the season. And it's at home. I, too, am taking Utah. Kyle says, these two show up to a party. No one seems to know how to score. Beach would feel right at home. Dresses Why, am I getting pulled in? Why am I getting pulled into this? Dresses swoop to avoid cultural misappropriation. He's taking the Utes. Swoop mm. is the is the bird for Utah. Okay. okay. So okay. He's, he's taking... He's taking the Utes. I, too, am taking Utah. And last but not least, Beach. Wash- and I'd like to interrupt. I do score just by myself. Anyway, okay. I'd hope you don't get denied <laughs> by yourself. Washington State at Oregon. Uh, uh, Washington State at Oregon. You're going to think I'm nuts, but I'm going to take Washington State. Okay, you're taking Washington State. Kyle says, you don't dress as a duck unless it's Howard the Duck. On the other hand, modern Halloween is made for cougars, mass and lowered inhibitions. Cougars being like older ladies on the prowl. Oh, okay. Thanks for drawing me that picture. I wasn't pulling that up. I'm like, what? That's why masks and lowered lowered inhibitions. Mm-hmm. So Kyle mm-hmm. says, go cougs. Mm. I'm taking the ducks. All right. But it will be interesting to see because I don't think the ducks are really facing offense that can score like that one. That that's I'm I'm really hoping that the aerial attack really kind of screws the ducks up. Hey, hey, I I'd gladly lose that game. Mm-hmm. Gladly. All righty, so there we go. All right, Beach and the Beavs have a bye week this week. Yeah, that's it's I'm I'm I was talking to to mom and dad uh, during the game on Saturday, and I'm like, so no tailgater this week, no tailgater next week. And no tailgater the week after that, right? We got three non non tailgating weeks. Correct. I mean, I just don't know how to handle it. <laughs> I know, I know. So I so, and I get to watch football without any uh, without having any skin in the game this weekend, this next weekend. Well, and, and then the the next game we do have is a Friday night game, right? Correct. The next home game, yeah. Do we have and and then so we've we've got uh, we've got Washington and then we've got. Which Arizona school? Um, Arizona State. Arizona State. Okay. And that's the last two of our tailgaters. Yep. <sighs> and then you and I are going to the Civil War. Yep. 
And depending on how things go, yeah, maybe I'll drive up to Wazoo. Oh, for the Wazoo game? Yeah, maybe. Might be cheaper to fly. Yeah, we talked about that too. But that's still a damned expensive Uber from (laughs) the Spokane Airport. So. Yeah, we'd rent a car. Yeah, but yeah, flying would definitely be that, that. you know, it's not so much the drive there. It's just always that drive home always seems so damn long. Yeah, we've talked about it. We don't know. We'll, we'll wait and see. We talked I about halfway, we talked about driving down to Cal this one. I know. I was halfway weeks. expected to see you guys be down there, but that early that early game kind of screws you up for making it yeah, worthwhile. If it had been a three or four kickoff, it would have been a lot easier for us to pull the trigger on it. But eleven o'clock, eleven thirty kickoff—that's just too damn early. Yeah, for us to drive down there. So we looked at well, flying, but it was just cost prohibitive. Looks like the uh, Beavs had a pretty decent contingent down there, though. Oh, yeah. The Beavs always bring good, good group of people down to Berkeley. That's The Bay Area is a good place to go down to, be it Berkeley <laughs> or Stanford. You know, there's a lot of flights down there. You can pretty much easily uh, drive down there. You know, I, I just had this revelation. I'm like, holy crap, it was a year ago that we went to Stanford. What's... Uh, year ago, uh, next month. Okay, we had a late game at Stanford last year. Correct. Okay, okay. Still just baffles me. I'm like, damn, that was a year ago we did that game. That doesn't seem that long ago. Yeah, I know. It goes so, by fast. Yeah, it does. All right, Beach, yeah. got anything else to add? Oh, not, not, uh, nothing, nothing that I, yeah, nothing too exciting. All right. So. Well, I want to thank everyone for listening to show number 131 of Illegal Participation. If you'd like to comment, send a suggestion, or ask a question, there's a couple of ways to get in touch with us. HeinrichTailgator at gmail.com, at HeinrichTailgator on Twitter, or HeinrichTailgator on Facebook. Remember to listen, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Podcasts, whatever podcatcher you list, you like. Beach. Billy. We got a week off this week. We don't have to fret. Nope, no fretting. So next week we'll come back. We'll... Uh, talk about week nine we'll preview week 10 in the pac 12 and get ready for another beaver game yep all right until then here's a great big go bees
Utah running back Zach Morris. Uh, Zach Morris. <laughs> <laughs> Slater. Ah, oh, Kelly. Okay. I was thinking can of Corbin. See the kind of. Okay. I was thinking of Corbin. Yeah, because it used to be Corbin College, and I think it's now Corbin University, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, because they changed all the signs on I-5. That's another reason why I know that it's there. Yeah. So, yeah, you jackass making me feel like a moron. 